Man, I looked over at my bookshelf, saw the idiot on Blu-ray, and then got really mad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. Oh, my God. What did I do with my fucking life? Holy shit. Stop, an anime podcast that is gleefully sharpening a guillotine for Elon's neck. I'm your host, Fletcher Arnett, and with me is... Chris. And Matt. And today we're talking about Cyborg 009, The Cyborg Soldier, episodes 11 through 15. This week, once again, we accidentally managed to cover some material just as very similar events are in the news and knowing how this series ends i can't wait for our apocalypse in 2021 it's gonna be a wild one shout outs to these episodes actually being about starting a civil war for lithium (laughs) yeah Uh Uh yeah how do we how do we mention elon musk on this uh thing without mentioning the cyber truck well black ghost shows up and then he says we coo where we want Uh uh-huh also black ghost can develop shit that works that's true. Owned. I... So, okay, maybe Skull's more Elon Musk than I thought. Hey, uh, good news. Something's gonna happen to that guy soon. Wait, wait, wait. Elon Musk. I mean, if or we Skull. continue the whole trend. Uh-huh. Fair enough. I'm just saying Skull gets his sooner than you'd think. You know, it's fun to think about. Oh, really? It's fun to think about guillotining people, but deep down in your heart, you know that it won't actually do anything. Except for Elon Musk is one of the few people where I could say, if we killed that guy, the world would be way better. Yep. It's kind mm-hmm. of amazing, because, you know, it just needs to be that first domino. Thanks, fish that came out of the water. Look at what you did to us. So, we're going to start with episode 11, A Christmas Eve Vision. This episode is a Francois origin piece. It rules. It's anime original, even if it incorporates pieces of her story from other versions. And it begins with her saying a film adaptation of the story The Red Shoes terrified her as a child and turned her to a life of dance. (laughs) But unfortunately, Black Ghost's experiments took her away from that field. You, and it also made her a Kate Bush fan. Yeah. Should I explain the red shoes? Is that still a common enough thing? No, uh, it's I would not. explain it. You're old. Okay. Yeah, I I am. Uh, the red shoes is a story wherein a young girl is given a pair of magical red shoes that basically curse her to dance, and should they be removed she will die. So she's just kept in this terrifying half-life until the event where someone, I believe they chop off her feet to remove them and she dies. I like how the anime version implies she gets hit by a train and the shoes fall off. 
Yeah, I I have heard the ending changed a couple of times. The way I heard it is they straight up chop off the legs because it's the only way to remove them. Either way, it should not be a story that makes you go, I do want to be on stage. Oh, man. You're just watching Black Swan and then thinking like, oh, you know what? That seems like a lot of fun. Now I'm bummed out that the emotional arc of GB's episode is the exact same as this one. So... Um, with one exception, yeah, where he gets the closure. Actually, I take two exceptions. All of the origin episodes are anime original, which are just kind of trying to stitch together a good backstory for these characters. It works out like it made me like Francois and GB because uh, before now, Francois' uh, character was just his girl. Yeah. There's more meat on their bones. We'll we'll get to seeing character development for them. I'm actually kind of surprised, and I love the series for this choice, that they put off until the tens, the actual origin stuff, and they don't shotgun them all in a row. Well, I would have... They kind of do a little bit in this stretch. I would have started doing it a little earlier, because, like, you you can come off real negative on, like, GB, because he's just the one-note gag before now. It's fair. You know what? Let's let's talk about GB when we get there, because I I definitely have some thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put a pin in that. So, in the episode, it's Christmas, and uh, Francois has requested a night back in her home country of Paris. Paris is not a country of France. Uh, <laughs> that was Chris. I did not write that. Fuck you. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Joe offloads her in the porpoise and says he'll be back to find her that evening. On the sub, everyone is worried about here. Uh, GB getting a little loose with it, and Chang's like, you know, she can still hear you, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, good, pretty gag. good It is very good. Uh, as she wanders around Paris, mostly she finds herself amazed of how much of the city is still unchanged over half a century later. Hey, Jean-Paul! I'm off to work, Francoise! Okay, see you later! The people who used to live here are all long gone. So so we're seeing scenes from uh, Francois's life, and uh, it's centered around her relationship with her brother Jean. And uh, this is a huge departure from the manga uh, where she was, uh, Francois was kidnapped from a boarding school and uh, there was no mention of ballet. Uh, and that was something that was uh, retconned in, or I guess, I don't know if you'd say retconned. It's just in a different adaptation. Later on, they, they add this bit. So a thing that I didn't really go over when we started is that 009 had a real troubled production. It bounced through about seven different publishers and magazines over the course of Ishinomori's life. And so mm-hmm. every time it would go to a new thing, they'd do a new recap for when they republished it again, because it didn't go consistently. And... Every time we do, well, let's flesh out this thing that fans have asked me about over the years. Let's go with a little more on this, because I haven't done this story before. And so over time, some of these character arcs take shape, and some of the more iconic stuff is added. The uniforms weren't originally red. That is a thing that had to slowly be changed back through reprintings to be consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, Francois was really flat on development for a while, and so the ballet thing was added around the 80s to spice up 
anything other than, I went to a prestigious boarding school, but Black Ghost came. Dude, imagine taking your kid to see the Red Shoes. It is a very French thing to do. <laughs> like, what, five, uh -huh. seven, eight, five, five to like nine in that back, in that flashback. It is a, a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, my favorite movie is Videodrome, a thing I saw around that age. Hell so yes, I can't talk. <laughs> uh geez yeah no it's it's funny what becomes seared into your memory when you're a child and like follows you forever i, I was destined to be the person that i am when i saw a video driven robocop when i was a child hell yeah yeah i got a giant love of body horror from that film yeah i i remember watching robocop way too young to remember that it was robocop and then i watch later being like oh that's the one where the guy turns into slurry we rewatched Total Recall last night, and boy, uh -huh. I forgot Verhoeven was just as on his game with the gore in that. Oh, fuck, dude. Like, the eyes popping out? like Oh, the eyes I remembered. The eyes oh, okay. and the puppet work I always remembered. I did not remember things like just turning a rat into a fucking blood spray because Whoa. you're so frustrated. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Speaking of uh, being frustrated because of dead rat, you know, there's no good transition to that. Uh... <laughs> Uh, in this particular case, uh, in earlier versions, her brother was an Air Force pilot. Uh, here, he is a biplane daredevil. So he's, you know, doing loops and stuff in his biplane for for money. And it's uh, laid out that, you know, he's taking a huge personal risk uh, in order to fund her dream of uh, becoming a, fam a famous ballet dancer. And, you know, she feels, you know, a little bit of guilt of having to force him to do this. But he he clearly is self-motivated he's like i want i want the best for you and i think their parents are dead by that point yeah knowing anything about biplanes i definitely expected him to just crash into that field i'm like well there's a stall <laughs> there's a stall there's a stall uh -huh. yes uh the one time i was ever airsick was i was at an air show as a child and there were biplane rides i got in one oh no and just straight up the entire remaining six hours of that day my stomach did not settle down it was a miserable Boy, experience Cessnas are really just machines designed to murder surgeons <laughs> <laughs> among other celebrities and musicians and musicians yeah exactly <laughs> you get just wealthy enough you're like i should get a Cessna, and then you explode there mm. is a really good billy Connolly joke where he says that yeah uh on a american tour they had to detour his flight and they're like to get you to the next show we're gonna get you on this tiny little puddle jumper and he just apparently went off on a rant about i'm not getting on that buddy holly killing plane what the fuck are you thinking yeah dude they're like the uh, ford dude. pinto of airplanes yeah yeah there's uh th this is probably the most like neolib thing i'll ever say but uh one disagree time I in advance <laughs> I, I, I took a, a a puddle jumper from uh, Providence over to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, boy. And... <laughs> Holy shit. My, my parents had a house there for a while. Uh -huh. Holy uh, shit. And... <laughs> like I said. Have you met uh, the Dersh? <laughs> no, I have not. We haven't met any. I think my parents saw Bill Murray there mm. once. Uh, but that's about all we've run into in terms of famous people. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but like, yeah, one of the times usually we take a ferry, but uh, like we couldn't take the ferry we wanted to. So like we got on a plane and it was like six people and I, I was so tight behind the uh, 
uh, behind the pilot that I had to like sit sideways because there's just no room for my legs. And that was horrifying because every gust of wind, like the the plane like twisted sideways and started like skidding on air. It was horrifying. And it was thankfully only like like an hour long flight. I want to point out that I very nearly made a terrible joke because my brain was in lightning strikes thrice mode being up this early. Oh, JFK. You said we didn't get the ferry we thought of. I was like, that's a horrible way to refer to Joaquin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, uh-huh. He's a bat, please. Wow. Oh, so, oh, okay. I I I got to say I I can't believe I made it through the entire season of uh Shadow Hearts Covenant without mentioning or realizing that Joachim is Batman. Wow. Shit. You're right. <laughs> right down to the gold. For what it's worth, I'm going to tell on myself because as of this recording, the YouTuber Kenny Lauderdale has put out a video about the famous Golden Bat series, which apparently Joachim's entire existence in that game is a nod to that didn't really go anywhere outside of Japan. So yeah. You were right, by the way. That's the most neolib shit you've ever said. (laughs) Yeah, I told you. (laughs) It is kind of amazing, but yes, I think we're going to have to give you that one. Uh. So, uh, Francoise Wanderings take her by a ballet studio where, as the current crop of students leave, she has flashbacks to another dancer from her youth, Natalie. There's a giant party foul where she doesn't realize she's startled this girl by calling her a dead woman's name in the middle of the street. And this one sends her into a depression as she realizes that I'm the only one time forgot in this city. There's a whole new generation that does not know or have any memory of me and mine. Uh, By the way, if you're paying attention, immediately after the scene, you can see the dot on her neck early. Uh, Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think they do show it to the camera pretty prominently. Well, the one part, it's like half hidden and she's in the um, marketplace. It's half hidden under her hand when she's doing the listening. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's the earliest I think you can see it. Um... So we go back to the dolphin on the deck. Albert and GB discuss Christmas's past. Uh, GB used to have a whole party with his theater troupe every year, uh, get absolutely uh, lit and entertain the town. Uh, meanwhile, Albert's not uh, quite so nostalgic since it's been way longer since he was home. Uh, you know, back when his country was in two parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Francois is, uh, you know, walking around Paris and she gets the sense that uh, someone is following her and uh, she ducks into a, a disco to hide, which I yeah, when, when I saw this, I'm like, how is she not going absolutely insane from all the noise? Because she already like had trouble being near Tokyo. Well, sometimes you got to listen to their funky beats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, that's it. She hated Ryuichi Sakamoto music. Yeah, it's too avant-garde. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as she goes in, uh, the hallucination begins. So she starts having all of her past come out and prey upon her insecurities. It's a mix of real memories with people she knew and imagined fears one after the other. And slowly it's turning more and more into the red shoe story with everyone urging her to dance. 
we see the story of her abduction in this. It's very close to how she's taken in the manga. In that, we only saw Jean twice. Uh, she was hustled into a car in front of him, but in that one, it's a blatant kidnapping. And the last thing she sees before waking up as a cyborg is her brother chasing after this black car trying to save yeah, her. Yeah, in the anime, you just see her get fucking ethered. Yup. Yeah. Yikes. And speaking of, Jean shows up here only to begin decaying in front of her eyes and just screaming, Dance, Francois! It's intense. It's a lot. This is a pretty wild episode. It's like very uh-huh. harrowing. Uh, long story short, uh, Joe f- Joe finds her. Yeah, yeah. He's like scanning on the roof, and he sees a biplane and goes, "I guess I'm following that for for plot." Reasons. And then when they look at it, it turns red and disappears. It's a ghost brother biplane. I'm not even shitting you, Fletch. Yeah, it's. It's the weirdest thing that happened because it's the only thing that's not the hallucination is only in her mind consistent. I think my brain shorted out that we start doing ghost stuff this early. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised by that. There's a psychic baby robot, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forget there's a psychic baby robot until it does something every 10 episodes. He speaks once these five episodes and that's it. Uh, Yeah, exactly. He's not sleeping. He's awake. Fuck you. He's. He's just the worst character. Uh, so, there. Joe arrives. Uh, Francois is in a full-on mania, dancing on some uh, ru- uh, ruins of a church, and nearly falls to her death down a hole. They return to the ship, and Gilmore explains by the time Joe found her, the toxin should have been spent. Um, it was, the uh, device had been broken in some impact, he says, uh, probably when she got knocked down in the uh, cemetery theorizing she kept going out of some subconscious desire to keep hallucinating her dreams and fears all rising as once whatever the case Mm -hmm. a sleeping francois narrates us out and says i imagine it was terrifying to know you could never remove the shoes but i'll bet she didn't want to i think she just wanted to keep dancing the the weird thing about this episode in particular is that like yeah, so apparently some black ghost dude recognizes Francois and, like, chips her or whatever. And just to fuck with her. Like, we, we've been trying so hard. Like, black ghosts have been trying so hard to kill these people. They just see one by themselves and says, you know what? I'm just going to fuck with him. <laughs> it's so, so strange. I respect it. That tracks because, remember, by the end of this set of episodes... Uh, the cyborgs are now so off their radar that they're surprised when they show up in the middle of a global conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do kind of have a knack for showing up in, in places. With fucking the dumbest robot of all time in the GB episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, and aren't there like gargoyles too? Like she was shooting at like what she thought. Yeah, was she was firing at gargoyles in yeah. the initial hallucination. Yeah. But still pretty solid. Yeah. It's not bad. It. You know, I, like, I always forget the ghost shit is in this one. I like all of these episodes for the record. I I, I don't like the really next one. really worried that you were going to hate 12 and 13. No, I like them. They're great. Uh, cool. It's like I said on the JoJo's, right? Never going to like a slice of life anime, but I like slice of life episodes with characters I already think are cool. I can mm. entirely get behind that. That is a very reasonable take. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of your Azumangas and similar, so I get it. There's just something about raw whimsy that doesn't work on me. 
But Fletcher, summer will end when Haruhi says so. <sighs> I'm still amazed that they just blew up a major franchise. Did you ever see that four image joke of that where the fourth panel is just the scape comic pasted smaller and smaller? But Uh it's changed a little each time. That's the detail I love. It's Uh so good. I love that shit. I I, I have no context for this, but that joke like got me. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of how Haruhi Suzumiya, which was a major thing for a while, just fucking destroyed itself in the second season. Uh Uh-huh. There was a light novel that was like the peak story of this, and it was called The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. Clearly. Volleyball bomb. That was going to be (laughs) what they wanted to adapt as the second season. But then they were given a movie, and so that became the movie. Uh And this left them with a giant gap in the second season, so they did what was called Endless Eight. Remember, 12, 13 episode season. Eight of the episodes were the same thing, repeating in a time loop, week after week after week, animated differently every time. That (laughs) rules! Oh my god. So, slowly changing, and eventually by the end, people start putting it together and breaking out of the time. But, like, the first couple of weeks, literally all you're seeing change is, like, someone put on a different swimsuit, or you can tell a different animator did this scene because it's got different flourishes. It destroyed them, and... That seems bad for TV, but very good. Like, I, I kind of want to watch just that, just for fun. <laughs> just to say, fuck it. <laughs> this will be interesting. Anyhow, that brings us to episode 12, The Mysterious Desert Island. Uh, I think I mentioned it in passing earlier. I was really afraid you guys were going to hate this because this is an anime original story about G. Jr., Chang, and G.B. stranded on a desert island. I like I it because it's the characters that have almost no characterization uh, getting to hang out and get a little more. And it is fun. Like, I, I'm down with, like, exploring, like, uh, you know, an abandoned space. Uh, but, like, I, I don't really buy the emotional core of this episode at all. Oh, no, that's ridiculous. But uh, also, oh, yeah, it's there's it's some very good ass music in this episode. Mm. Yeah, this has a lot of weird... The anime team did some great design because this is all original stuff. So mm-hmm. I like the tech they put. I like that they retrofutured this base. Yeah, it's there's cool. a bit we'll talk about later that's an excellent bit of that. Like their weird Jetsons made butt. Uh, there's that. And also the fact that when the countdown starts at the end, it's all Nixie tubes. I love. Yeah, that's I right. love that the I love that the the voiceover and the timer on the thing do not line up at all. Yeah, it's like three minutes. I'm like, brother, that's five minutes, not like three minutes. Fuck off. They did mm-hmm. sync that a little better in the dub, which is the one thing I'll give it. Oh please, uh, gotta watch the dub now because the filler episodes are more accurate. You know, to be fair, I don't know how much accuracy counts for that. So. Nope. Either way. I was being sarcastic. I know. Uh, so, Chang and GB are arguing in the middle of a storm about landing the mini jet. 
until they run out of fuel, at which point there is really no argument to be made. They crash on a desert island. It is it is pretty funny. It's like, it goes from, we're lost, is the worst, to we're out of fuel, and then dude just puts his thumb behind him, and then there's this giant, like, wave wall behind them also. <laughs> it's It's insult to injury all over the place. Yeah, th- those whirlpools are hilarious to me. They're just like, oh yeah, there's just a bunch of whirlpools over there. <laughs> like 40? Yeah, the the island is surrounded by them later, and hilariously, the dolphin will just drive through them because it's like, what? Why would that? Why would that stop something this big? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a major thread in this one is that GB thinks of himself as way too proper to do anything survival based. Which that's right, he's white man's burdening it over a Native American and a Chinese guy. Thanks, Great Britain. <laughs> I mean, and, it's yeah, pretty yeah, uh, true true to type, huh? I mean, yeah, it does case. what it's only way this would have been funnier is if it were Jet. He does what it says on the tin. Uh-huh. Uh G Jr. was a survivalist. Uh he's using all the tricks he knows, but every signal he gets, be it the growth of plants or the sound of water, uh always lead to the opposite effect in a way that I think is very funny. Uh I love the tree montage. The tree montage and then the fucking, like, sand whirlpool that they somehow wind up in the middle of is incredible. Uh, (laughs) I do like, uh, it says here, uh, somehow nobody figures out the place is an experiment when there's this weird carnivorous plant that looks like a piranha plant boss from Yoshi's Island is trying to eat them. Uh, (laughs) Eventually, That is uh, the end of the very good tree montage because it's like, fruit tree, dead tree carnivorous tree (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh eventually chang falls into a chasm uh gene jr tries to go down to get him and just grabs the bird out of the air and pulls him under also Mm -hmm. uh and g jr is left above ground yeah so the other two uh find their way through a waterway into an abandoned black ghost base that's uh falling apart and uh g jr uh discovers that there is a you know discovers the base like he's like going like what is it scratching up against like the rocks of a wall and he sees oh there's a metal plate behind it he and was just starts staring at it. it he didn't even scratch it he was like across the sand whirlpool he's just staring at it for a while like are you okay guy <laughs> yeah and then he just starts punching it until there's a giant hole in it yeah uh, he pummels through a steel wall inside a rock face don't yeah. undersell it no, it's it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's real it'd be easy to forget to that. that G Junior is the guy who now counts as living tank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so all of them are reunited inside the base, and uh, they discover a scarecrow, which is a, what is essentially a scarecrow, a robot that is that was left behind by the scientists. Uh, and it, like they, they try to fake you out by like uh, seeing it like scan with a red laser and like makes it sound like it shoots uh, it shoots the uh, the two guys that are inside before G Junior shows up. But now it was just scanning them uh, because it, it, the the robot realizes that uh, these uh, cyborgs are black ghost tech. And so it waits for them to give orders and it just starts, you know, taking their orders. Uh Chang, for some reason, takes a, a, a shine to this bot, like, immediately, and uh, gives it the nickname uh, Scarecrow, and uh, treats it as a friend, even though it shows no sentience whatsoever. <laughs> I think the only reason that he takes to it so quickly 
is that as the shortest, he's just happy that there's now a living step stool. All he makes it do for half the episode is pick him up to get things on high shelves. <laughs> so, yeah, um, they discover if you give it specific orders, it's silent but helpful, and it guides them around the base in time. Um, there's a couple good gags where GB is being very florid in his instructions, and it's be eating shit for the result of it. Just get me a ton of water. It literally tries to drown him in salt water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes clear as they look around that this island was something like a sleeper cell. It's enough tools and robots to get a small army up and running. And it begins to dawn on all of them that there are probably more bases like this out there, and if they can't chop the head off the organization, this is not a fight they're going to win. So they start looking around for anything that might lead them back to the head of the Hydra, and eventually they find enough fuel to restore the jet. And then they come upon the base's power source, thinking, hey, we'll, we'll fix that up and that'll make getting around easier. But it also sets off the security system. Well, much like the police, the security system sees they have a gun and then s sends in, like, a hundred armed thugs to shoot them to death. Uh, <laughs> uh, realizing that the intruders are armed, uh, the um, aforementioned robots come zeroing in on the trio. Uh, they fight to a standstill, but when one of the drones is about to get a clear shot on Shang, Scarecrow puts itself in front of him as a shield collapsing under the focused fire. Uh, it looks almost exactly like that meme of the soldier on fire getting a bunch of knives in the back over the kid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... And Chang is very sad about this robot. He throws their only fuel canister at the platoon, spits fire, and then just... uh. Huge explosion immolating all the non-cyborgs and the scarecrow in the chamber. Unfortunately, this is Black Ghost tech, so therefore it is uh, designed to eat shit. And the destruction of the robots leads to a self-destruct countdown on the base, which uh, I, extreme, I think is extremely funny that they've been spending forever trying to find secrets. They're like, guess there aren't any. And then it's like detonating to protect Black Ghost secrets. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you can't leave proof that there's a fucking organization out there that has robot capabilities and everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not to protect black ghost it's to protect black ghost secrets which is what makes it so funny yes gotta protect That's... the combat data chris the data <laughs> uh uh but the uh the base is not done uh there are more traps in store uh firing uh lightning wildly to trap and kill it's any not a trap it's a power it. short it's a power Okay. Is that a power short? I took that as a trap. It looks I like forget. a it looks like a short because you see like a uh, scarecrow sees the console like sparking internally with a different colored lightning, like oh, the boards yeah. are shorting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fighting is like fucking up the electronics. Yeah, because it gets shot. I guess this one could go either way. I don't think it's really made. But this is where the music's very good. Very good melody here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but uh, the scarecrow uh sees the panic that's uh on chang's face and decides that it's going to use the last of its strength to do the repairs to undo the uh the countdown and it succeeds and the countdown of course stops on zero zero six oh i did not Dang. notice that but now i'm mad <laughs> <laughs> i noticed it immediately yeah. uh and uh at this point uh the 
the chassis is fried. It's lost its limbs. Uh, Scarecrow is kneeling over and it dies very dramatically with, along with the base's defenses. It has ripped the board out of the thing. It's holding it over its head. And then it just topples over because it's in a pose that it's not meant to stay in. Uh-huh. So, as sunset comes, GB and G Jr. begin making plans on a cliffside. They'll fashion a crude boat that just has to be, quote, strong enough to pass the whirlpools and leave for the open sea with whatever supplies there are. Chang, meanwhile, has repaired Scarecrow as best he can, sort of stitching his limbs back on with wooden splints and shining it to a new finish. It looks very goofy. The one on the leg that looks like a piece of cardboard taped around it. I think that's the the point. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if this were three weeks into being stuck on this island, you'd go, oh, he's just trying to make himself a Wilson the Volleyball friend. But it's like, no, man, this is a half hour later. No one has seen Gilligan's Mm. Island, Fletcher. Everyone who is alive that watched Gilligan's Island is dead now. It's just you. Wow. (laughs) Hey, that's very good. That's very good. And B, I've actually never seen Castaway. When are we talking about Castaway? Yeah, Wilson the Volleyball was Castaway. I don't know what that is either. Oh, Chris. Chris. I am amazed how you blunder into these very good backstab jokes and then you realize and trip over your own fucking foot going wait i was clever are you i'm a dumb guy (laughs) but you've also been very good about just the backstabby star wars star trek needling at times to try and bait me yeah surprise i'm a mean bitch is mean bitch whatever that's i just am amazed whenever you do these by accident without realizing Uh uh-huh like Gilligan's uh, Island was good. That's why I made that noise. It was just like <laughs> it was on Nick at Night. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that boomers watch. That was that was the thing that kids watch. That's how I watched uh, like uh, Wonder Years and shit and Happy Days. That's how you were sexually activated by I Dream of Genie. <laughs> I mean, Nick I did at Night watch has not existed. Oh no, <laughs> for over twenty years, it became TV Land, a st- spinoff channel. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> and Bewitched. I think the original Bewitched was also on there, I remember. Is that the one also, with the cat? Uh, in terms of series that hold up well from that time, uh, Bewitched is much better than I Dream of Genie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I bet. The one with the cat <laughs> is Sabrina. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, whatever. <laughs> I was too busy having sex to watch Nick at night. That's it. <laughs> anyway, the whirlpool spits out the dolphin, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, we also heard this signal. Good to good to see we found you guys here." And so, uh, before they go under again, uh, Chang is on the deck with G Junior. He just goes, "How long do you think he'll stay standing there?" And G Junior just says, "Until his duty is done." Until we dismantle Black Ghost. I'm saluting right now. This is the most this guy has spoken yet. (laughs) Snake Uh salute emoji. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) It's it's very close because the last shot we see is the Scarecrow, clearly non-functional, with a cyborg scarf wrapped around its neck and floating in the wind. Where do they get the extra scarf? Where do these scarves come from? That's why it's not there until they get picked up. 
It's just tons of. <laughs> are they made out of beetle intestines? They do it at the aesthetic, uh, at the very uh, plot convenient tailor located inside the India airport. I mean, <laughs> you have to remember they have one spare scarf. Ivan's not wearing anything. That's true. That scarf would just fucking swaddle that baby and murder him. Hell yeah. <laughs> It's big. Those scarves are all way too big, and I love that uh-huh. they make that part of the thing. It's very convenient for the show that this is always windy instead of this 20-foot scarf on the ground. Yep. Mm-hmm. I hate that this is named a London Fog instead of the Mists of London, like literally everything else in the episode. Fuck off. Get that tea joke well, out of here. Well, I mean, London Fog is a thing, like, by name. Uh-huh. That's that's why I hate. That's why it makes me mad. It's clearly just a dumb joke instead of the thing in the episode. It's it's a clothing brand, actually. There's a ma- It might actually be the fact that the clothing thing is yeah. tied to it. Yeah. Also, uh, like this coat. episode is the most Englishy thing. Ooh, yes, it is. Is it? Uh huh. Pay- Every bit of text on signs and scripts and things in this episode has some wild thing, like Macbeth. Or Mist of London. It performs soon. I remember it performs soon. I missed Macbeth, and I wish I didn't. It it performs soon is my work aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is the episode, the GB episode. He finally gets some uh, characterization. Uh, Sadly, it is exactly the same character arc as uh, Francois. Uh, This is another anime original, and... uh, I I did very brief notes for this episode because it's I like I don't it. think we need them. Oh no, I just don't think we need a lot of notes to recount this. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, this episode made me uh, remember that I, like uh, one of my favorite pastimes was going to high school theater performances because uh, a I kind of enjoy that, but b I also enjoy the way they're always slightly shitty. They are. Like, yes. Uh-huh. Like the high school tradition of The Hobbit where Gandalf tripped on his own staff and very loudly yelled, oh fuck, in the middle music number. <laughs> oh, so That's good. pretty good, actually. It's so good. Fuck, I, I was just watching The Two Towers last night. Oh, jeez. Never, <laughs> never forget. Okay. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> My wife has never seen the, the movies, so I'm watching the movies with her. She's missing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She spends half the time reading on her phone. It's good. Uh, the only good one of those is the first one. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But even so, like the second half of that first movie, the 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 editing is so rushed. Like the first like twenty or like thirty minutes to an hour, of that movie are impeccable, and then after that, it just starts going beat after beat after beat after beat after beat in a way that's like a little breathless. It's because he filmed five hours and they had to cut it down to a reasonable three. I know. I, I like part of me wants like we would have watched the extended versions, but you have to buy them on Amazon instead of rent them. And I'm not paying $18 for this. You know, I always think about some weird random Newgrounds flash animation. I saw complaining about the Lord of the Rings movie. Every time I think about how poorly edited it is, I just think about three fucking hours and they left out Tom Bombadil. <laughs> all right that's uh-huh. a pretty good one uh-huh. like why would you ever leave that in that's the worst part of the book you know nerds be mad yo 
Tom Bombadil is what convinced me that any time I see italicized text that is meant to represent song in a novel, I need to just skip a page. Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, but that but that was like the best part of like the Redwall books. I've never read a Redwall because they're, they're racist. Well, they were good. Uh, they, they, obviously, they have those problems of it's fantasy racist all the time. Oh, they're going to build a wall and keep the Native Americans in. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. What? Uh, That's what it's called. He's not wrong. <sighs> uh, anyway. Uh, Look, sorry. So, <laughs> the Washington football wall is what I meant to say. That's pretty good, too. That is actually pretty damn that is good. That's pretty good. Uh, that's like the one thing that one dude did not trademark. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, cruise in London. Uh, which, of course, is where GB is from. And uh, he's flashing back to his time uh, as a uh, dramatic stage performer uh, prior to his kidnapping. And uh, it was just under two decades ago uh, where he was uh, a famous actor and he was uh, captured by being offered a patronage. Well, I'm trying to. They don't actually sentence. show that in this episode. I don't know if they just cut out how his capture happened. Yeah, they, yeah, they don't comes up in a later. They thing. don't they don't mention it in this at all. Um, they just he he's there. And then at one point he's told like, oh, yeah, by the way, you disappeared one day and he doesn't comment on it. Yeah. And he never tells the person who's mad at him about it, even though that would diffuse everything immediately. Uh huh. It is kind of wild that he doesn't discuss, hey, when I vanished suddenly from the biggest premieres of London. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't by choice. I just thought of that, uh, y when she says, don't worry, you're not my father. All I could think about was that YTMND of the Maury show with a guy doing nice. a dance to that, to the Final Fantasy VII victory music. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we, we see a, a, a young GB. He's got, uh, like spiky blonde hair, uh, it looks like if you flipped Jet's friggin' mohawk around like a baseball cap. He has serious, like, Jotaro hair. <laughs> I kinda, like, Just I don't spikier. know. Just spikier. Yeah, it's, it feels way more 70s than I think it's intended to yeah, or something. It, I guess it was drawn in the 60s. But. If Jotaro went Super Saiyan, that's the haircut he would <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that, yes, it, it definitely has that vibe because it's very, very vertical. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, this uh, name that he's given himself, Great Britain, uh, has been his stage name his entire career uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, apparently uh, his uh, former uh, lover, Sophie, uh, just calls him by great during the flashbacks. Jealous. It was a weird thing. And I was just thinking, how are they going to get around the fact that he has no canonical name? It's like, oh, I guess he's just gone by that for over two decades. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the arc here is that, uh, you know, before he started off as a as a struggling uh, artist, uh, he hooked up with Sophie and I guess they worked together on something or were they just like supportive of each other? It's not very clear. Yeah, my so man shits he... where he eats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was a lover and performing partner with her. They were the mainstays of this little community theater mm -hmm. and. It's implied that Sophie is the one who was more successful day to day because she was supporting him in the rough times. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then he breaks it big, and he basically ditches her. Yeah, uh, he gets to be on the really London Academy. Ditch her, he's in right? Because he, get, he gets probably gets abducted on the way. Is like the well, implication. Well, here's the here's the thing: is that like the one scene that's supposed to signal what happened is that he's at a premiere. He's like you know in a fancy tux or whatever, and he's walking down with uh you know a pretty actress lady on his arm. And he looks over and he sees Sophie looking at at um, him from like, you know, off to the side. And then I, he like, you know, looks away from her because he's ashamed. And I think she like runs away or something. You're underselling this. Yeah, it's he's very big. inside a whole like stage and red carpet surrounded by paparazzi. Yeah. He looks past the cameraman and she's bundled up in a scarf and coat like a fucking Dickensian orphan underneath <laughs> some pillars that's, staring that's at true. him. And then she wanders off into the darkness and that's the last we see of her. Yeah, so we're we're meant to we're meant to believe that he got famous and said I'm going to bang this hot chick instead. It's very much implied that he stuck around a little on the main stage before his kidnapping, so he pretty clearly did abandon Sophie and traded up. Yeah. So, the big thing is that he ends up popping by a small community theater that is playing The Mists of London, the play that he was going to do with Sophie. Not a theater, the theater. I think they say it's a different theater. No, they explicitly say, he says, I performed in this theater. Okay, my bad. It's kind of unclear because he said, I've I've been in a bunch of places and I've performed here a few times. Yeah, so, I don't think yeah. they specify it's the only one, but yeah, you're right. He does say, I've been in this one. Yes. Either way, they're reusing the same stage. I took it as, this is the one, and you don't say, I performed here a lot, so people don't know that you should be dead for like 40 years. No, no, they explicitly say he's only been gone about 18, 19 years. Weird. And they, they Remember, he's part too. of the second crop. Yeah. Oh man, that means... And then his wife died a year before, and he's been here, uh, explicitly said, I've been here about like 10 years ago, so you could have just gone and visited the lady you ditched. Yeah, he could have. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, um... GB's story has a lot of... It's very unsympathetic now. It's kind of wild, and... Mm -hmm. This is the only dub note I actually have for this one. I've been trying to cut those down. I know you hate that shit. They change so much of the tone of this episode because this one has a lot of use of silence... There's, mm -hmm. like, montages, there's just him being unable to say things. The dub cannot let a silence linger. Buddy, Ooh. did you check out the dub version of the beginning of Francois' episode, where it's like, yes. I saw the red shoes, it was a happy story, I found Barry inspiring. Yes! <laughs> I didn't Oops. write that because I know you hate when I go into the bad dub notes, but holy shit, that was wild. Totally missing the point. <laughs> Fucking yes. incredible. Yeah. The Red Shoes was such an uplifting story about a young dancer in the dub. Look, just because it's in French doesn't mean that English, that people who speak English won't understand it. But yeah, um the the final scene of this, just cutting back to that, instead of it being him trying to decide whether to take her hand and like just the handshake and the silence, they dub over a line on that scene where he's oh. just going. I'm sorry that I'm not your father, but I Excuse I would me? Have been proud of you. <laughs> yes! Yes! 
It changes <laughs> so much. I know That's we just incredible. met, but I'm sorry I'm not your dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm Again. sorry I didn't get to abandon you too. <laughs> also, yeah. are we going to talk about the part where the cyborgs do an act of terrorism and the British police just never respond? Uh, that's yeah. that was coming. I just wanted to cut ahead to that bit while we were on the dub because that's oh my God. so wild. Yikes. Uh yeah, but the <laughs> the the thing where we've stepped around is that yeah, he pops into the same theater from before and uh, Sophie's daughter, Rosa, is the one who's performing on the stage now. And when he's telling the story about, oh, yeah, I am I was here as a young man and I did great. And he's buying 10 tickets. He's going to bring all his friends to see their opening night. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to be big shot. Everyone's happy. And so when he leaves, this young woman comes out and is like, hey, uh, you want to come with me for a minute? Let's talk. And she refuses to tell him where they're going. Um, by the time you get to the flower stand, you can already tell where this is going. Yeah, but also like by like, hey, let's talk. Let's. It's it's not talk. It's less like broodingly and awkwardly travel for like an hour. And she, Rosa, this young girl, he gets her name on the way, leads uh, GB to Sophie's grave. She passed around a year ago. Mm-hmm. I do like that in trying to keep this from being specifically dated, uh, they have the bouquet cover up the exact year that she went down. Mm-hmm. You just see when she was born. Well, it's a year ago, yeah. and we know the current year, don't we? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like it when a show goes out of its way to be fuzzy on stuff. Like It's one of the things I actually kind of like about Archer is it's like, is this modern day? All the tech is fucking retro. It's it's a very similar aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but the thing is, this gets really awkward later, you know, considering the fact that like he ends up kind of using her as a stand-in for his dead girlfriend. <laughs> his dead ex-girlfriend in a, well, a romantic role. She chews him out at the graveyard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there there isn't and, any chemistry between them, which is nice. Yeah. Um, she's like, yeah, you left my mother behind. And he like quickly does some math. It's like, wait, you're Sophie's daughter. And like, oh, shit, are you? No, you're not my father. She found someone else when you abandoned her. Thank God. Shout outs to the dub for having the grossest way of describing that he's her dad. She says, I'm a product of that coupling. That is what she says. That is a wild line. Uh-huh. He's not making that up. Very clinical. It's weird how the censorship made that worse, mm-hmm. as censorship tends to when you start dancing around some issues. Yeah. <laughs> Just be glad it wasn't for the phrase fluid exchange. <laughs> no, the Long fluidic exchange strands. happens in Africa. Oh, buddy. Ugh. You know about the knee thing. Uh-huh. No, I know. Uh, uh yeah. But... GB reacts to this by going to a pub and getting shit-faced, where Philip, the star of the show, finds him. Because he's like, yes, um, this is the neighborhood that I live in, and of course I have some drinks after a show sometimes. So, Yeah, I'm English. They, what did you expect? Of course I get I know, shit-faced right? every day. Oh, that was the joke earlier. You were talking about cool terrorism. It's like, yeah, that was the IRA, dude. 
But <laughs> no, I'm talking uh, about the part where they blow up an oil refinery. I know that, but you were talking uh-huh. about cool terrorists and talking about the ones in real life, and it's like, yeah, that was the IRA. Yeah, the IRA is extremely cool. Yep. Sometimes you just gotta listen to IR- IRA th- music on uh, YouTube for an hour. Uh, I'm sure it's gotten me flagged at work by people, or it did when I worked in an office. Anyway, the Black Ghost explosion bees nearly kill them walking home from the pub. Oh my god, so <laughs> stupid. Yeah, they just come out of nowhere, too. Well, there's and some they've, ominous they've buzzing foreshadowed. Early. Yeah, uh, Francois hearing the buzzing and she's like, there's some kind of black ghost thing going on. That set off all my senses. Really interesting huh? that you couldn't find that when you could find Punma 40 miles away in, the, in an underground base. No, Ivan does that. Or is it Ivan and Francois working together? You know, could be both. You explicitly they, see they Francois' face do like the um the color shift thing. Like the oh, oh, you thing. mean when they're going in later. Yes. Yeah, it's very interesting that you could just find the bees. Anyway, the the bees car bomb. GB yeah, they do dude. blow up a car. It's yeah. <laughs> it's uh, extremely uh, yikes. GB has to be lucky every day. The bees only have to be lucky once. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they only have one chance on account of being bees. <laughs> yes, and exploding. I mean, that's how bee stingers work. Yeah, it's true. Um. Yeah, but it it fucks up the uh, the actor dude, and uh, yeah, and Sophie goes to check in on him, and GB's just like, she she's like, oh, the the play will have to be canceled now. We don't have a lead anymore. And GB's like, no, let me have my redemption redemption moment. I know every line to this thing. This is the one I was doing with your mom, by the way. Uh, he actually <laughs> falls to the ground sobbing when she doesn't respond to this in shock. Yeah, no, he he sells it. Like, I, I think they, they sell this emotional beat pretty well, even if it's kind of still sort of super contrived and all that. It's a little weird, but, you know, he's he's the dramatic actor type. Of course, his story is going to be a little overdramatic. Yep. And then, and then he goes back to the crew and says, oh, hey, by the way, guys, just let me do what I want for like a few days. Give me two days. <laughs> Give me two days. No, he says, uh, th- he says the day after tomorrow and two more days. Like, hey, we got to hang out here for four days so I could be in a local theater production. Yeah. I like that Jet's response to this is to instantly grab him by the neck and go, you want to explain this? Uh-huh. <laughs> Jet is very good during this series of episodes. Yeah. Uh, well, and he, and he does explain it in a uh, sort of a, a cutaway. Yeah, well, you know, I'm like glad they out. don't make us hear this plot again. That's a thing I love about that would be a Black Lagoon thing to do, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know a lot of series that will do that poorly. That's a thing I love about the Trails series is that every time someone has to be filled in, they just quickly cut to black and go. So and so told everyone else what you just saw happen and then immediately resume. It's very nice. nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then then he ends up asking them to do uh, security. (laughs) On on the theater, while he, while literally he the other seven cyborgs with ray guns on the rooftop of this community theater in case of bees, <laughs> and and the bees do come. Yep. So we see GB. Hilariously enough, they're talking about how this play is about the passion of youth, 
Ed GB is a 40-something bald guy on stage as the young male lead. They didn't even give him a wig. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. And while this is going on, yeah, uh, as we were discussing, they're shooting exploding bees above, and eventually G Jr.'s like, this is incredibly risky. They only have to get one hit on us, and there's a lot of collateral damage. So he grabs what I guess is the queen bee? It's and starts running through town, and they all follow it? Yeah, it, it, the the way this works doesn't make a lot of sense, but don't think too hard about it. <laughs> and then, yes, they blow up an entire oil refinery, which was shown earlier in a montage. Ah, I, I missed that. But yeah, it, it's kind of clever that they, like, you know, create a web of just the, the oil spilling out of the tanks, and then they fly through it, and then you light them all on fire. But yeah, yeah. that's all. That's all. I mean... Sucks for those guys, you know, whoever's refinery that is. Hope they had good insurance. British petrol, so good news. Shut uh, yeah, it's them. actually karmic. Shout actually, us. fuck them, yeah. Shout out to OPEC getting to sell more oil, I guess. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, it's not like there aren't mentions of that when it comes to some of the conflict with Black Ghost in the series. That's fine, we already got to talk about OPEC when we talked about the uh, Saudi Arabia episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And yeah, uh, I I pointed out uh, a lot of this is wordless in Japanese and just kind of lets you stew in the faces they're putting on the characters, the physicality. Mm-hmm. None of that is in the English dub, including, yeah. again, I'm sorry I'm not your father, but I would have been proud of you. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, so wild. It's it's a nice capstone, the whole like, you know, the, the handshake at the end between uh, Sophie and GB. I think they do that well. At least in the in the Japanese. Yeah, it we're we're kind of underselling it with the handshake because she yeah. puts out her hand. It's not give him a hug. It's very clearly. All right. I've come around on you after saying, you know, my mother never did have a negative thing to say about you. I just hated you because you mm-hmm. weren't there. And and like and, she he says that like she was more sad that he left acting than ha- than he left her. Yeah. When he vanished from the London Academy and society, it's just what happened. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. Well, that's kind of the same thing, right? Because, like, if you left me for acting and you're not even doing it, what was the point? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, first of all, I hate how long it took me to realize that the reason why GB is called 007, just for whatever yep. reason, saying 00 instead of double O, really got me. That was an explicit <laughs> joke when he was created, yeah. The uh-huh. British guy is 007. Yes, he is. That. I hate that. Uh, it, it's also super on the nose that the thing that the actor uh, is given, his power is to imitate other things. I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy that, because... Yeah. Dramatic irony. Well, also... As an experimental cyborg, I believe you mean drama. You think, or at least Black Ghost clearly thinks, all of these people are going to work for them under duress or not. So you want someone who can disappear into a role as your infiltration cyborg? Yeah, as a as a seagull or something. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. He doesn't usually take it in human form, so you know, (laughs) he's gonna be so ready for when fucking Storks gets made in this timeline. (laughs) <laughs> Finding Nemo is actually just GB playing all the roles in live action. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. 
<sighs> so with that, time for the land of uncomfortable animation and faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I we... didn't think the animation was that bad. Well, I specifically meant the faces. Y- okay. Yeah, it's still the style of the show, which is still questionable. Uh, uh, I, slightly I made better. a note about this. Slightly better than Mr. Popo. I made a note about this at the end. I give them credit because an animation studio would be forgiven for taking shortcuts with a bunch of people who are only mm-hmm. going to show up once, but they put a lot of different skin tones and facial yeah. features yeah, on I, these I guys. Noticed, I noticed the, the, the variety of skin tones, too. I, th- I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, that takes us into episode 14, Land of Reunion, which starts the same way as Uncut Gems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, no uh, colonoscopy this time, though. Bummer. Uh, <laughs> hi That is the fucking fuck off. Uh, <laughs> the E Rock. Uh... Bummer. I hardly do her. Gotta go. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the episode opens with a horrible uh, 3D. Well, you know, it shouts out. It still looks better than the Netflix uh, CG Ghost of the Shell. Uh, that's because <laughs> Netflix's CG stuff is the worst to a T. Dude, that uh, shit looks worse than that Mitty Force show my kid I, watches. I, I... I've been like putting off watching it. Uh, don't watch and it. Don't watch I'm it. I'm gonna What's watch it. Yeah, Why? don't. It's bad. I I, I want to know. I want to know how bad. Dude, the plot is not even interesting. It's the same washed over rehash that they keep doing because they can't recapture the magic of. The Are last robots stuff. people? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it is very Detroit become human level writing. Uh, what a disappointment. Well, so was the last set of OVAs. Arise. Well, yeah, I mean, but Arise was a different continuity, like going back to the continuity of the good one, or one of the good ones, and then ruining it ex post facto. Just So anyway, we start with an extremely bad 3D render of a rock floating in a black void, and then a finely dressed man taking hold of it. Uh, the E-Rock is Metal X, a potent new ore discovered in the African nation of Muwamba. The uh, man is President Umbaba. I am just going to say these as phonetically as possible. Uh, the military. You're doing great so far. Yeah, well, you know what? Check this out. If I tried, it would be way more racist than if I didn't. Uh, President Umbamba, the military dictator who... <laughs> I, I'm just trying to think that light of thought through for a second. <laughs> it would be. It, it would be very bad. The military. No, I get, what, I get what you're saying, but 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 using that that light of thought in other contexts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if, I should probably uh, note that this episode's uh, subtitled in our notes with "Get ready to laugh at three white guys saying African names." Let's just hope it's laugh. So anyway, the president Umbaba, uh, the military dictator who, via seizing power, now controls the world supply of what is uh, thinly veiled, which is basically a thinly veiled uh, civil war over lithium. Yep, mm-hmm. we really could not have timed this any better this is once again the day after elon musk's will coo who we want tweet uh also we get also we get our lithium from australia definitely not not from uh indigenous lands there yeah mm-hmm. i feel bad that i can't yeah. remember what those are. the maori there we go yes mm-hmm. uh his tour of the quarry goes awry as rebels mad about the whole election by bullet things storm the compound. Umbaba flees in a helicopter, sicking tanks on them and forcing a retreat. 
Umbaba makes it out safely, but it also means he doesn't see when a tank that looks suspiciously like a smaller 0011 erupts from the ground under his own, taking out the entire military force there in two shells. From within, an unseen man in scuba gear. Get that fucking dumb Zaku-like ventilator thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, reveals himself, saying that he's come to help. And uh, we basically find out that the uh, President Ubaba was uh, brought into power back by the <laughs> nation of Glutonia, which, like, d- damn, white people fucking up Africa again. We literally invented a dietary disorder just to disenfranchise uh-huh. Glutonia. <laughs> uh-huh. I actually can't tell because they mention America by name, so it's clearly not America. If Glutonia is yeah, supposed to be if they didn't Britain, mention America, Glutonia would be America. I know, right? So they say Glutonia made this place a colony in the old days. I can't tell if it's supposed to be um, Britain or fuck. What's the other B one? I can never remember the name of. I'm gonna swallow that Ethiopia joke. Yeah, I know. But either way, yeah, they they do not say who colonized them, but they clearly do not want to let it slip out of their hands. <sighs> Honestly, if it were America, it'd be something like Diabetia or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And make no mistake, this two-parter goes fucking hard on a lot of proxy war and African exploitation in the most thinly veiled, did you know this shit is still happening way possible. Yeah, no, it's actually surprisingly well done. Yeah, we get it. We all saw Blood Diamond. I didn't. <sighs> don't uh, see yeah, Blood don't. Diamond. <laughs> you saw Uncut Gems, you saw the better version. I, I saw Uncut Gems, which rules. Yes. So yeah, like because this is such big news, uh the, the Metal X stuff and the you know, the strife there, uh that's why the uh the crew goes in that direction. Because they're like, oh, Black Ghost is definitely gonna show up here, and they're right. Um but when they realize that the the rebels now have black ghost weapons, uh, they they're not entirely sure. Well, Gilmore is not sure why. Because um, Gilmore's a he, fucking idiot. Yeah, Gilmore. which is like the thing is they figure it out immediately, which is they're going to supply weapons to both sides of a conflict because that is their entire mo. Actually, sorry, what I meant is because Gilmore is an NPR listener. Gilmore uh, is kind of an idiot, and that's a theme. Is that Gilmore is straight up neo-lib thinking in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's like a vile moralist. Like, he's going to have an arc over the course of this series, just like the cyborgs. His Mm -hmm. is that he still thinks in terms of, but science, without Mm -hmm. a moral component to it, he just feels bad that he ruined a few lives, not that he was doing horrible experiments along the way. Yeah, that's kind of a weird blind spot to have, considering, you know, his situation right now. Okay, so it has a payoff, though. Okay, I mean, we'll like, see where it goes. It, that's one of the final things that happens in this series, is the payoff, and holy shit. Yeah. So, uh, Jet and Joe, being the fast ones, uh, they're dispatched Hey-o. as Recon. I gotta, we gotta go back a second. That does not work for me at all as an arc for Gilmore when it starts with I made a robot out of a baby who will never grow up and live a life but technology is inherently neutral he didn't Gilmore was not involved in Ivan's creation fine 
but remember, still, but still, Gilmore it is showed ridiculous up. to me on its oh. face that that could be the arc, given that he hangs out with Ivan. Yeah, the thing get, is, yeah, Gilmore showed up later, and he's why the project got pulled out of ice. He's the one who made things work. Yeah, but yeah. that makes it even more likely that he should know the horrors of what he what he's yeah, ca- it, what he did and what he's that makes his the, arc worse. Is what he's we're saying. No, no, yeah. no. Because if you look at it from the way Gilmore sees it, it's, oh, I came in and I made it so these things could be done without being horrible. People still look like humans after what I did. That's People still... can still have lives. That's ridiculous, Fletcher. Like, I get I'm the... just saying, I know his whole arc. There's there's something to this. Yeah, well, we'll have to revisit that. But like on its face, yeah, it definitely does I'm not I'm trying make not to sense. like spit out things that come later. Yeah, so uh, Jet and Joe are dispatched as recon, uh, and uh, back on the Dolphin, uh, Punma goes back into his memories, thinking on uh, what happened last time he was in Mwamba. And somehow does not immediately know the plot of the next two episodes, even though you do when you see the one guy disappear. Uh Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Uh, so we cut to a thing that is totally resembling the opening of the Venture Brothers with two silhouettes running past spotlights. The problem is, this is not excellent comedy, this is a prison break, and the two men are Punma and Mamado, another child soldier who serves with him. Um, they are cornered in their escape and about to be discovered by guards, guns, and dogs, and that's when Mamado tells Punma three words, save our country, flings himself out into the light and draws everyone away. All we hear is the flashback ends is gunfire and chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely hard not to think of Shulk every time Puma yells Mamato. Uh, <laughs> I actually uh-huh. get that now. Uh, mm-hmm. On the ground, the black monster is turning the entire war around. Nothing Umbaba has can put a dent in it. Things are so bad that Glutonia has cut all ties with him. There will be no reinforcement, no admittance of involvement. An entire nation has ghosted him. him. Uh, hmm, wonder what that's about. Uh, uh. The, zero, the zero zeros begin following the tank back to the rebel camp. Uh, seeing it do some real dumb shit, like, uh, scaling in between, like, a vertical chasm with its legs. Uh, yeah, it has spider legs for no reason at times. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> we fade out with Umbaba sinking back in defeat, not seeing the wet-suited figure enter behind him. Uh, so, Jet Joe and Puma try their best to sneak into the, uh, the rebel camp, and they hilariously fail uh they they trip on a uh like a trip wire and it like drops a bunch of knives you're and- underselling this jet says we've got to be careful we're next to their camp and he takes one step, step. Uh-huh. also they're not yeah. knives they're just straight up like kudai yeah they're just like blades dropping yeah they're they're sharp and they're pointy uh so they're captured as spies at gunpoint um the leader is uh, brought in, um, and his name is uh, Kabore. Kabore. And Kabore? That's Kabore. Kabore. Yeah. Kabore. That's Kabore. I forget. Yep. That's how God. you would say it. That's Kabore. I, I watched this like last night, and I already forgot how to pronounce it. I know Mamado, but like I don't. <laughs> Kabore. Uh, yeah, he recognizes Puma on site, and 
and he he turns to his guys like, why did you tell me these men were spies? And they said, oh, because they were trying to sneak into the camp. And cowboys um, like untie them, uh, and so they are released. And the first thing he asked is, is uh, yeah, it's great to see you. Is Mamado with you? Uh, Puma looks away and only says, then I guess uh, he didn't get away. Yeah, Puma also has not known the fate of his friend this whole time. Mm-hmm. Puma has also never seen an anime before. It's true, he hasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, they weren't called that. He Puma has never seen a Japanimation before. <laughs> he was a child soldier. There wasn't much downtime. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to just not make a bunch not of, beast of, Chris, no, Chris. No beast of No Nation jokes in here. Ooh. <laughs> so the pair catch up for a bit and Punma lays out a case. Look, Black Ghost is the worst news. There will be strings attached to this miracle tank. Let us dispose of it. They just want a hotter war here. And Kabori refuses. I t- don't blame him. I see it. He says to him, this is a necessary evil to keep the freedom that he fought for in years past. I do not care about Black Ghost. If I had to, I would sell my soul to the devil for a free country. And then Jet runs his mouth about, well, screw it, we'll just destroy the thing. And this is where Kabore goes from, I will hear out my old friend, to let's point guns at these three and politely tell them to fuck off. God, this is just making me think of uh, Gondor trying to take the ring. (laughs) Having watched it just last night. God, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's in my brain. Uh, what is it? Like Boromir's brother? His name I is Faramir. Name. You're asking the wrong person. His name is Faramir. Faramir, yeah. Mm. Who only exists to make the last movie longer when he moves them backwards farther away. Uh-huh. Okay. Elsewhere, the wetsuit man is... Sorry, I had to cut out a George Soros joke. Uh, Elsewhere, the wetsuit man is leading Ubaba through some kind of underground passage. Uh, He is uh, definitely unhappy about it and grumbling about it. It's too bad we already, like, shot our load with the the Uncut Gems reference. That would have been a perfect segue. You're not wrong. (laughs) The passage does end in an antechamber in Uncut Gems. Uh, It's true. Yep. Not the path to exile he thought was coming, though. Uh, Very quickly, he realizes the wetsuit man is not a Glutonian agent. Uh, No shit, dude. Uh, That's when the uh, door slams shut behind him. Uh, Skull appears in hologram form and uh, lays out the whole deal. Glutonians abandon you. They don't want to be involved in a war they can't win. And to them, all they need to do is wait for the chaos to end and get a new leader who fits their needs. Uh, and he will introduce liberal democracy to the country, and it will go great. Uh, he offers yeah. Umbaba a deal in the delightful sentence, uh, we have wonderful weapons for war. Uh, Umbaba's not having it and just scoffs. Uh, he has a lot of AKs already, and a demonstration is promised before any money exchanges hands, and Umbaba is set free along with the Cyborg Man 1 in the wetsuit. As they leave, Skull and another lieutenant are amused with things escalating so much around a possible world-changing element. The Western powers are likely to be pulled in, and that is great for arms dealers. Yeah, they're, they're they explicitly, explicitly say yeah. they want World War Three to come out of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was watching this and I just said out loud, "Shoutouts to Boeing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so back love at to, the uh, love, the rebel camp, to bank with the Boeing Credit Union. 
Yeah, I'm I'm glad I have a few more choices locally that I could work with. Ugh. Yeah, so the the three cyborgs uh they are still uh chilling at the rebel camp um, under armed guard and uh Jet points out they can easily escape with no issue uh in a hundred different ways and Punba uh has to tell them to sit down and shut up because the point is not to destroy Black Monster and let Black Ghost uh send in a new weapon. It's to just shut the whole thing down uh, when Black Ghost tries to escalate the problem, because just destroying one take is not going to make Black Ghost go away. Yeah. And at this point, the entire night is set aflame. A single shell from off screen obliterates the Black Monster, and then Obsidian tanks are surrounding the camp, laying waste. As the survivors flee into (laughs) the jungle... Fletch, these are bigger, blacker tanks. So are they blacker monsters? I, I guess so. Some sort none of super more, the predator more black, drone? The none more black monsters. Oh my monsters. god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Chris. <laughs> that took me a second. That's what they are, though. That's definitely a candidate for episode title is all I'm saying. <laughs> they fly, too. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, I was That's... about to say, the tanks fire their turrets off like it's separating the saucer on the Enterprise. I've been thinking start... about that one for a good 30 seconds. That was that one. Yeah, the turrets on these tanks can just launch off like a armed UFO, and they start carpet bombing the foliage from above. Uh, meanwhile, there's a tiny gray fly style thing that's a drone camera and umbaba is clearly getting off on all this screaming for more rebel death but the demonstration turns sour again shades of cybertruck when suddenly the turrets begin falling one after another uh, the camera has to take aim on a new thing and the zero zeros are recognized so in the room number one finally actually makes any kind of emotional reaction when he sees Punma's face among the carnage. Uh, elsewhere, Ubamba immediately mad. He just goes, what the hell is this? You promised me a victory. Uh, Lieutenant drops all pretense and backhands Umbamba to the ground so hard that his glove explodes open and he has a robot hand. Uh, yeah. Jet tries to get one of the tank pilots out as a POW, but they just shoot him in the fucking face and uh, he leans back and it catches him in the knee. Um, about 10 men in similar wetsuits just all jump out of their tanks and start firing. Uh, Joe, however, is uh, still be is uh, still refusing to kill other cyborgs, and uh, it takes one of the rebels being killed in the crossfire for him to start firing back. Uh, even then, he aims for what he clearly hopes are disabling shots at ankles and their breathing tubes. The campsite in ruins and jet crippled, the trio determined their first priority is to help the rebels to safety. As they walk towards a backup campsite with the survivors, Punma has a feeling something more is coming. That takes us into episode 15, Farewell Friend. Guess what happens? Uh, We resume at dawn. Damn, dude, Friends is over? Shocking, you should I never know. be anyone's friend on this series, because remember what happened in the episode entitled Friend? No. Uh-huh. Sorry, 13. Oh. Well, uh, well uh, the, the dude with the scar in his nose is okay. <laughs> That's true, as far as we know. Yeah, we don't, he's not dead. Uh, possibly. But yeah, so the, the group is walking in silence towards the backup camp, uh, 
and like they they go across like a stretch that is like way more wide out in the open than uh like they kind of they said it's like oh it's on the other side of the forest and it's like oh wait no this is actually this huge plane where they're out in the open and yeah you can clearly tell that they're back up at dawn you can also tell that the reference material in the manga uh was the manga uh was about vietnam right like this is like classic like uh helicopter landing clearing yeah 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 i'll Um, get into that at the end of this yeah yeah um but uh we get a a shot of punma and he goes into another flashback uh and uh this time he and uh mamado are sparring with each other you know doing a cqc and uh kabore is watching and uh punma loses because he he um he leaps at um, Mamado and uh, Mamado sidesteps, grabs him by the wrist and just does a judo uh, toss. And he does, uh, he does wait a long time to press the square button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and as the flashback ends, uh, something is coming closer to him and it's metallic and multi-limbed. So we're in some tall grass and everyone's pausing. Punma has finally bandaged up Jet's leg. He's been leaning on one cyborg or the other this whole walk. And a brief discussion from the cyborgs occurs with Jet giving Joe a lot of shit. You need to stop hesitating when you see something that looks like a human. It's kill or be killed, and we're in a literal war zone. To punctuate this, that's when one of the limbs draws up and begins charging a shot to fire at a soldier. It's, it's a robot snake. Uh, Jet just blows a hole in the it. explicitly pause. just robot cobras in a way that's very dumb. But it makes I mean, sense when you see the other function on them. Um, it's slightly I mean, less dumb when you see the other function of them. I, mean, I it's, like it's not that dumber than the than the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs uh, are cool though. Put a pin in the dinosaurs; they will be back. Hooray! Hell- yeah, we yeah we get it. We all saw that movie, Fletcher. Fuck off. <laughs> I still cannot stop laughing about the fact that they tried to start filming the next Jurassic World and then immediately had to shut down for the union going, uh, you're not following proper safety protocol. Oops. It's just the most on-the-nose thing imaginable. Anyway... Uh, The survivors are suddenly engaged as a horde of metallic snakes launches out of the greenery to ambush them. But this time, Joe takes the hint and just goes full accelerator instantly, putting them all down in one move. Uh, Another wave reveals itself, and then they all leap into the air extremely goofily, where number one has been hiding in the sun in some sort of flying saucer. Uh, The snakes all attach to the craft, and suddenly his hovercraft... (laughs) Jesus. Uh, suddenly this hovercraft is now a laser spewing hentai antagonist (laughs) Uh, whatever Uh, it's fine I already wrote an angry face earlier in these notes Uh, the three cyborgs the three cyborgs tell the survivors to run for it and they begin trying to lure the contraption away from the humans uh, one game of dodging later, it knocks out Jet and Joe. As number one moves in for the kill, Pudma leaps in to attack from behind, where the cyborg pulls out Mamato's judo throw. Mm. The pair of them mm. are now just staring each other down in the moment, because clearly both of them know who each other is. 
but Jet and Joe interrupt with gunfire. <clears throat> Mamato gets back at his craft and simply says, playtime is over, die, and then casts ultimate arrow on the battlefield with the combined laser snakes, and that is exactly what I thought of. Uh, it is like the end of Resident Evil 3 once you kill uh, Nemesis with that giant gun. You, you know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of the Sentinels in The Matrix. With the, the arms I the definitely think that this craft was inspired by the Sentinels in design in some way. Well, this, it, come out? this is this is not in the This was manga after, at all. yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is in the not in the manga, right? I don't like know if this, this specific device is, I'd have to look. Cuz like I they can do see a lot of updating on up. the tech and creating new designs for this. This series. is 100% probably in the manga given given that the um, you can always tell when something is in the manga based on the really long pauses on well, like art, like well artisted frames. Uh, and there's one of those later with uh, him standing up in the shadow with Puma there that looks so well, uh, like just um, composed. Yeah, there you go. That you could tell that's like a man manga panel. Mm. Again, I'd have to check just because this has changed so much from both arcs it's adapting mm -hmm. yep i really need to find a copy of the manga one way or another just to do some comparisons yeah well in the aftermath of uh this alpha strike uh the ground is all charred to ash and the camera slowly zooms in to notice that there is a hole in the ground and by sheer luck uh Chang and Francois went looking for the trio when nobody came home the prior night and her senses uh, led them to there. And uh, yeah, Chang basically burned a hole through the ground at the last second and uh, snuck them in. And they're very far underground. Like the, the track he shot down the hole or like or looking up from it, like it, it's got to be like a few hundred feet. Uh, I mean, it is kind of easy for Chang to do that. That's true. It's just like uh, it's way farther than you'd expect. <laughs> underground um also in uh hunting for them they got the remains of the rebel underground people too so they're all in this tunnel together uh and they wave. yeah they wave uh <laughs> however at this point uh jet uh begins to have convulsions and puma says that he's staying to uh assist the rebels chang also decides to stay since he's the guy making the tunnel in the first place and the all the others all return to the dolphin and uh We've already seen Jet's injured knee prior to this, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah, like, like, was blown off like last episode. I the Rebels, for the record. They're definitely freedom fighters, not Rebels. Rebels is some imperialist-ass language. I was going to switch back to gorillas at one point, but I also Yikes. thought about that, like, halfway into the two-parter. Yeah. So... No, they're definitely the valid people here. They're the ones we're supposed to be on the side of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the Speaking side of, of the rebels. baiting us both. <laughs> <laughs> Typical that way into the way into the fascist space wizards. Got to do what they say. <sighs> they have cool yeah. robes and laser so, swords. Uh, inside a cave they're using as shelter, Kabore has come around to Punma's way of thinking. Black Ghost has fucked them. But his troops, on the other hand, are all incredibly rabid for this. They feel they've got to approach the same org that just nearly killed them and get better tech. That's what they need right now. 
outside, uh, Punma flashes through all the clues again in case you're really, really slow, and then just spells out, Is that cyborg Mamato? Back on the dolphin, the other cyborgs regroup. Gilmore immediately begins shitting all over Jet and Joe. What the hell? Why didn't you come back here sooner? You're not robots. Your tourniquet was cutting off his circulation and he damaged a nutrient pipe. This could have been a fatal wound on his knee. Um, Jet and Joe immediately restart their argument about reasoning with the cyborg men. Jet's logic is pretty sound. Do you really think after our escape and the whole 13 incident, Black Ghost would just keep making machines that go out and betray them? And Gilmore backs it up, referring to them as perfected tools, a turn of phrase that really alarms Francois. Uh, basically, they have all their combat memories, but no free will anymore. Yeah, they remember things, but they've been emotionally deadened. Yep, then we get it. We played The Witcher. Uh, in the field, Mamato is given the news that he failed to kill the Z- uh, cyborgs. Uh, he expresses uh, shock, except, well, uh, Puma just shows up underneath him and goes, hey, fucker. I love the detail here. The craft he's in never isn't writhing its laser tentacles. It just makes the thing look more ominous in silhouette or in clear view. Uh, The two of them acknowledge that they know each other, and Puma makes a much better version of Joe's appeal to humanity, um, like uh, back from when he was dealing with the the awful lightning robots, uh, approach by trying to talk to him as the person he once knew rather than the combatant that he is now. We get much. We get more flashbacks uh, to their past. Mamato's response to this is simply, "Is that it?" And then just immediately turns all the guns on him. Uh, he has a gun to uh, Punma's head while he's on the ground, and the only thing that keeps Punma is alive is that the Black Ghost Lieutenant radios Mamato and says, "Stop! We need him alive." Mm-hmm. For so, what it's worth, this flashback is good. Yeah, this They're one rules. Uh, It takes place at the funeral of Mamado's older brother. He has not died of combat, but he just gives this speech in tears while they're on a hill above what's clearly some South African apartheid era shit with lovely manners directly next to everything. And he says... My brother was down in the Metal X mines, and they worked him until he couldn't work anymore. I don't want to this whole thing to just be, we all get mansions too. Fuck that. I just want to live in a world where men like my brother don't have to be chewed up, spit out, and thrown away when they can't do anything for the men in the mansions. Why the fuck can't we have some freedom, or a nice day to have a picnic, or anything good? Mm Mm-hmm. This show rules. Yeah, but that's definitely some of like the best writing in the show so far. Spoilers, the answer is Rare Earth Metals. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And the lesser extent that we're not going to spell out but clearly leave on the table, fuck capitalism. Go home. <laughs> I like that Matt can only endorse fuck capitalism by making it a reference to a podcast instead of a thing he believes. Oh, dude, capitalism has its problems. I'm definitely on record saying that. Or at least I am now. Yeah, fuck capitalism. <laughs> uh, I can cut it if you want. Especially, fuck capital, especially capitalism, but especially communism. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chang returns to the dolphin, lets everyone know that Puma left on his own, uh, 
this does nothing to help Puma in the moment where uh, Umbaba is taking out all his frustrations on him by electrocuting him in like a very brutal fashion <laughs> uh, with uh, both black ghost members watching behind him. Uh, however, the uh, the lieutenant reminds Umbaba uh, who still has who still has all the power here. And they just cut the controls to the console and leaves Punma alive. Now, this guy, like, ends up smacking Umbaba twice in the face, and Umbaba just doesn't do shit about it. Uh, I'm going to just give you a brief spoiler for next time. This lieutenant will return in the next series of episodes. Oh, I'm sure. Like, they, they definitely make him an important-looking character. And every other time we've had lieutenants, they've died the same episode. So, uh, yeah, I expected this guy to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So... Out of options, the uh, cyborgs turn to Ivan to scan the jungles for 008, and they discover his location and begin mounting a rescue effort. Uh, as everyone prepares to storm the presidential manor, Jet tries to pull rank and make Joe stay behind so that he doesn't get anyone killed. And Albert sticks up for the kid, and uh, Jet is left back because he can barely stand anyway because yeah, he's still injured. This is another weird dub change where Albert's just like, nah, I'll be there, it's fine, and not addressing the actual concern. So, unaware that they're being watched by the same fly drone camera, and I actually love that this thing stays in the picture because it's good tech, uh, the team's split up for the rescue. Joe does indeed choke, and it causes G Jr. to take a hit saving him. But the whole thing's moot, though, because the attack squad is waylaid by orbs spitting out super hot electromagnetic waves. You know what the camera drone looks like, Matt? It looks like the gremlin from XCOM. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it does have that kind of vibe. It... I don't know what that is. I just thought of it as a metallic uh, June bug. Yeah, it's definitely meant to be insectoid. But yeah, it definitely has some some gremlin vibes. The, the quadcopter kind of thing. I actually love... This is probably one of the most JoJo shots in this whole series because it has a very altered color scheme and mm -hmm. leans in on some metal shit. Oh, yeah, here, I pasted the grass in recording starts text. burning... What's that? Sorry, I said I pasted in recording text. Nice. Um, the grass starts burning green and smoke is straight up coming off of the cyborgs when they're in shot. Yeah, it's pretty mm -hmm. lit. Yep. Uh, but Joe tries a gamble and launches himself through a drone in accelerator mode, allowing him to regain his footing and destroy the remainder of them. He saves the day! Hooray! Hooray. The lieutenant, seeing this, decides it is time to split. Uh, you can't write that because I read it in a Cortez voice. Umbaba tries to hitch a ride and is once again backhanded into unconsciousness. Uh, Mamato does his duty and sends out the rest of the cyborg men to cover the escape and maybe kill a uh, zero zero or two. And meanwhile, he makes his way inside the manor to finish off an unconscious Punma uh, before Chang melts through a wall and <laughs> Albert immediately literally draws arms on him. Uh, yep. <laughs> a chase ensues as Chang and Francois rescue their comrade. I will point out we don't see Umbaba again after this. Uh, his fate is completely unknown. Mm. I yeah. do kind of wonder off screen if he hasn't just been executed in one of those graves we see at the end. People tweeted I... so hard that he stopped being a warlord, much like Kony. Uh-huh. 
it's incredible uh, that after that, it's incredible that after that people still think that cancel culture is real yeah yeah uh so cornered uh albert blasts uh the tentacle tank yeah that mamado was trying to get into and before he could kill the cyborg man himself punma intervenes and he makes one more final plea for his old friend he says uh defect join the uh the double o's and together uh they can save to save their country and end black ghost and there's a really long shot here where both men stand completely still like very ava like you know a lot it's of about tension, 30 seconds music. I timed. yeah it's pretty long and it's not my, the minute plus of ava no no but uh it's uh my wife was like is it is it broken is it still going and i'm like yes <laughs> the music is going it's still going uh and then we see mamado draw and then there's a quick cut to black and uh a gunshot there's a red splash across the screen and it reveals that the the red splash is the cracked cyborg man visor glass very uh, good all, yeah it's very very well directed um all we see is uh mamado's face the the visor shattered um but the uh the impact point is not shown and pioma Pionma begins uh, weeping. Gun still has stretched entirely unharmed. So the next day, Kabore and Pionma are over a makeshift graveyard of their fallen comrades. And Kabore gives a little speech about how whatever happens, Mwamba is a country he will keep fighting for, for all their comrades. And while he knows Pionma can't stay, he's not even going to try and convince him. This is always going to be his home, and he hopes the next time he comes back, it'll live up to that dream that they just keep having to fight for. So, let's talk about the adaptation on this one. This is a mashup and incredible good update of two stories from the manga, very much for the better. The first of them, Vietnam, is what it sounds like. Black Ghost sees the cold proxy war of Vietnam as an ample opportunity and starts double-dealing new and escalating weapons, hoping that in a best-case scenario, with the U.S. and USSR so intent on making a point, they can possibly begin a World War III and really make bank. The second is adapting Punma's origin, which originally had some weirdness because he was nearly captured by colonial slavers in Kenya in the 50s. It's incredibly clear Ishinomori wanted a diverse team and tried to make sure it wasn't just all the world's whites, but it definitely shows he played fast and loose with how this fella ended up in Black Coast custody compared to some of the other stories. Mm. Uh, Also, the B Nation I was thinking of earlier, Belgium. Belgium was the really bad colonial one. Uh, I don't know if that's who Glutoni is supposed to be. Either way... Props to the anime team, because this is probably one of the best updates on some of the classic material in all of Cyborg Soldier. I particularly love the touch. I mentioned a lot of diverse skin tones and faces throughout the Rebel Forces. I mean, like, compare... Yeah, there's not, like, a duplicate face in there, which is unusual for that many people in the background shot. Yeah. No, it's, it's really crazy how these last two episodes in particular fare against, like, the stuff with the, the 0010s like miles apart and i think that's the thing the difference there is that the assassin's arc is adapted 
really faithfully. The only real change in that is the revelation that in this adaptation they froze them and did two crops of cyborgs because of the time jump. Uh, This is the skeleton of old material all formed into something original, and it makes it stronger for it. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, like, the moral complexity of this is way more, like, given way more, like, upfront, you know, importance compared to, like, whatever was happening with 0013, where it's just like, he's a good guy, but he's also controlled, he's also murdering tons of people in a robot, but he's also a kid, and he's, it it, it feels like, that feels like, to be reductive, that seems anime as shit. (laughs) Whereas, why isn't this this bad guy my friend? Whereas this is like, yo, this is like we're in an oppressive state and then we thought we had independence and now it's even like it's it's worse in other ways. And so now we have to fight. And no matter what, how we do it, it doesn't matter as long as we win and we give get freedom for our people. And that is the point of conflict, like like character wise, like that's way more complex and way more like mature and realistic compared to but I just wanted to make the robot my friend. <laughs> and a touch I love is that we've mentioned it. They never call out the fact that Kabore is clearly the oldest of them. And like, this is an adult who's leading around child soldiers and has been and continues to do so. They never focus on that. There's no, no that's, that's a terrible thing. How could you do that? How could you involve innocent? no, this is a conflict. We know war is bad. You're not supposed to be cheering this on. Let's get on to the actual stuff that we need to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very even-handed in the way of, like, they could have made uh, Kabore, uh, like, just as much a monster as the other guy, which is, they could have pulled a Bioshock Infinite of, oh, the other guys are just as bad. Yeah, they and, and, never shy away from showing that it turns out a dictator's a real shithead. Yeah. And there are worse people than dictators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they, these five episodes are just so much better than anything else we've seen up to this point. Like, this is where I'm like, okay, I'm 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 writing for this. I'm in, I'm in on this. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have nothing else to say that's not way beyond the scope of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah i yeah. i was just about to ask i wanted to make sure you hadn't been cutting out or anything you know nope. you were unusually quiet after that D- you are beginning to see why i recommended this i love this here's what i have to say about yeah. these episodes go read settlers by jay sakai all right okay i will the show notes to the show notes yeah <laughs> And we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 16 through 20, where we answer the question, what if Stephen King's Firestarter was about an Antifa dog? What? An Antifa dog fights a Mossad agent dog? (laughs) See, you think I'm making a one-off pithy joke with that, but I'm actually very literally summing up an episode. Oh my god. Fletcher the JoJo subries are very bad, uh, because I write them. Like the Wheel of Fortune episode is the crew learns about seat belts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're very good at no selling them. I was I was gonna say like I I can't wait to see what, how you uh, be reductive about uh, the death episodes one and two. Oh my god, god those fucking episodes, man. 
I know exactly how he's going to be reductive about part two. Well, I still have to think about lovers because uh, we—that's uh, the one I'll have to summarize. summarize. Yeah, yeah, no, this is like two episodes from now, Flash. Okay, yeah, I—I I was about to ask if you had seen them before I said anything. Nope. Oh, he hasn't seen them. I've seen them. Matt's a disgusting watch a header and lets it impact the podcast because he can't help but bring it up every time and have to edit it out. Matt, you know what's going to end up being the description for part two, right? Well, I mean, like, the thing is, part one and two are going to be, like, together in a single recording, so it's just going to be, like... Yeah. Oh, okay. We're doing four next I, I time. can't spoil it. I, I was going to spoil it. This yeah, I wasn't going to say it on the pod, but you know what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make the episode title Super Predator Jerones. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, uh, that would be... <laughs> that, that joke requires uh, a lot of context that will not be present in an episode title. That's fair.